Hockey playoffs, one of our favorite times of the year. Unfortunately, it's not taking place in St. Louis. Rarity. Ten of the last 11 seasons, the Blues have been taking part in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's sort of become part of our spring. Cardinals begin, keep an eye on the beginning of the baseball season, but hockey is into the most important time of the year, and this year the Blues missed out. So we'll be having a number of different conversations. We had Doug Armstrong a couple of weeks back. Craig Berube's coming up. Ken Hitchcock, who I didn't realize until I had him on my radio show, is working full-time for the Blues in constant contact with Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube. I knew he had some role, some kind of consulting role as what I thought it was, but apparently uh, Hitch is really involved. So a lot of hockey conversation, Blues specifically, about their situation. But this particular visit, David Backus, the former captain, more about his career, his retirement, living in Southern California now. We know he went to Boston, played for the Bruins. I kind of forgot at the end he was with Anaheim. He was on the Ducks. And for a guy who grew up in Minnesota, found out what life was like in SoCal, warm weather, year-round, and decided to stay. We talk a lot about his time with the Blues from being drafted 2003, 20 years ago. Team was terrible. And then Backus becomes the captain. And they had a good run there where they kept getting into the postseason, won a couple of division titles, just couldn't get over the hump. And in 2016, nearly did, made it to the conference final before losing to San Jose. The uh, always quotable David Backus is on the Kilquin Conversation. This was an original broadcast from the new radio show with the same name, the Kilquin Conversation. It's Monday through Thursday on KTRS, the Big 550. They got a great app. If you download the app, you can hear the show nightly from 6 to 7. Incredible list of guests that have already been on the show from Joe Buck, Jim Hazlitt, Walt Jockety, Hitchcock, uh, Mason Wynn, the super phenom for the Cardinals, going to be on this week. Skip Schumacher, former Cardinal, now the Marlins manager. Uh, I'm forgetting probably some of the big highlights as well. Chip Carey's been on the show. A number of great guests every night, 6 to 7, on the Big 550 KTRS. The Kilquin Conversation Podcast coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. New location in Kirkwood is going to be opening soon. Look for that at the corner of Woodlawn and Manchester. I think years ago, it was a Jim Edmonds restaurant on that corner. It's been a couple of different things, but that's the newest Pasta House location in the greater St. Louis area. That might take us up to 19 area locations you know all about the great food everything's made fresh daily and you can taste the difference if you have not been to the pasta house lately it's time to get back lunch dinner to go delivered whatever you're looking for great food every single day at the pasta house triad bank really is the neighborhood friendly bank so many businesses around town are banking with triad bank because they found out what it's like to have that personal service since 2005 based right here in St. Louis. Check them out on the web, triadbanking.com, or stop by and see them on Clayton Road in Frontenac and the newest location. It's on Olive. It's just west of 270. Triad Bank, the neighborhood friendly bank. Appliance discounters for all of your appliance needs, washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator, entire kitchen, all of the above at appliance discounters. Go to the website, theappliancediscounters.com, A lot of rebates with General Electric. You know about their brand name. Lowest prices guaranteed. Their savings are your savings. It's more than just a slogan at Appliance Discounters. And Marita Villa Senior Living, they're at the corner of Clayton and Weidman Road 
for your retirement years. They have assisted living, villa estates, beautiful campus out there. Check them out at mariedevilla.com. Take a virtual tour. M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, mariedevilla.com. And now the captain. Once the captain, always the captain. It's David Backus. The Kilcoin Conversation with the Blues, former captain David Backus. He needs no introduction. I could sit here and read all of his stats, his accomplishments, but I will say right at the outset, one of the better sound bites we've had in the TV world. We would put the microphone in front of him and he would sum up the game for better or worse. And on top of that, I think he watched a little bit of local TV because they beat the Blackhawks in that great game seven in 2016. And he walked by me, he said, there's your TKO for tonight. And I'm like, in fact, in fact, I believe it will be. David, how are you? Good to talk to you. I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on and the uh, wonderful introduction you gave me. Yes, thanks. I I only, let's see, Strickland faxed over a few more tidbits. I had to get approval with Strick to have Bacchus on the show. Um, So life after hockey, I know you always had a lot of different interests and you kept busy. Give folks back here a little update on how you're uh, spending your time. My wife and I are still running Athletes for Animals, uh, getting to spend a lot more time with the kids, which has been phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, we're in Southern California, traded to the Ducks late in my career, and I uh, got to see what Southern California was all about. And it's been, it's been tough to leave to, for now. Well, and this is a similar vein because we had Walt Jockety, the Cardinals' former general manager, and he lives in the Phoenix area, but he's from Minnesota. And I said, Walt, you didn't go back. He said, have you, have you been watching the weather? It snows in April. And I said, good man, smart man. So you learned along the way. I bet, though, in the summertime, you're up on a lake there catching walleye. Uh, that is a happy place for me to be, and we do spend most of our summer back in Minnesota. Chased off by a few mosquitoes from now and then, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, it's a beautiful place in the summer. All right, so this summer, it'll be the 20th anniversary of your draft. The, the Blues take you in the second round. Take us back to that time in your life. Did you have, obviously, a U.S. guy, so you knew about St. Louis, and then some of the Canadian guys maybe didn't know a lot about our city, but what did you expect back then? What did you think maybe your Blues career might look like? Uh, I had no idea. I look back, you know, like you say, 20 years ago. It's pretty, uh, pretty astonishing how fast 20 years goes. But I was so naive and had no clue um, and just to think of the journeys I've been on is is unbelievable. But I think my headspace was like, okay, well, somewhere that's not too far from home. It's Midwest living. It'll be, you know, convenient to get to. And, uh, you know, I think at the time, just getting out of high school, Nelly was huge. Uh, at least we were listening to it in Minnesota. So I was like, I guess you, hopefully you can find me in St. Louis pretty soon and make my journey in that direction. Did you ever meet Nelly? Would he probably was at a game here or there? He was, and I think my wife got a picture with him, but I don't think he ever made his way into the locker room. So that's uh, that's still on the to do list at some point. Oh, we got we got. I got to call Caruso. We got to make this right. We need Bacchus <laughs> with Nelly at some point. Um, and I would er- love that. the early days, I think we used to make fun of Walt about this. Didn't you live in Kachuk's basement? You were one of. Were you one of the original? I was. He uh, he let me live in his basement, and he's a guy that I looked up to playing uh, just the way he played the game and go to the front of the net, just rough and tumble, but also had a little bit of skill. And um, on the plane ride home from Pittsburgh when I was first called up, he asked me if I wanted to stay with him in his basement. And to think of all the knowledge and the tutelage that he gave me along the way, um, 
pretty surreal moment on top of your NHL debut for sure. Does that happen a lot? I know you played in Boston, you played in Anaheim. Is that a thing around the league where older players take in younger players? I think it's more frequent than you than you'd think. Um, and you know, later in my career, the thought of having a young kid join my household, uh, not only for you know them, but the idea of the disruption in, in my life. Um, you know, it's it's a sacrifice, and I'm forever grateful. And uh, you know, still someone I I hold near and dear to my heart that helped me to have success in the league. And we have to also tell people, Walt's basement might be nicer than some people's homes, okay? So this is not, you weren't sleeping next to the HVAC with, like, rusty water pipes. I mean, it's a little, we got to be fair, it's, it's not a bad accommodation. Uh, it's some of the best accommodations. I remember pulling up to his house and being like, this is unbelievable. Because you don't know, like, yeah. being a college kid the year before and living in an apartment with three other dudes, and um, you imagine what a guy in the NHL uh, his house looks like, but then to pull up to one, you're like, I, I had to pinch myself again along the way of, uh, of the start of my career. Were Matthew and Brady were they teenagers yet? I'm trying to think how nope. young they would have been. They were they even were, younger. They were just, they would run around in their underwear and uh, they'd want to go play floor hockey and made them cry a couple times back in the day and and still let them know that when we'd face off against each other in a couple games and and had some good laughs, but. Uh, yeah, to see those kids too from, I mean, they were just little tykes when I was staying with them to now both very prominent NHLers, uh, some, some good bloodlines there. Are you surprised how good they are? I mean, I mean, the family obviously, and the daughter's a great field hockey player, but I mean, did you have any sense back then that both Brady and Matthew might be NHL players? I, I find myself as a numbers guy, so I know the odds of any random person being a professional athlete is very low. Okay, your dad made it. Does that give you any leg up? I mean, maybe a little bit, but that still probably keeps you in the low single digit. So I didn't think so, but to see the level that they've risen to, um, you know, good good for them, good for the family, and uh, speaks a lot about the uh, resources that are available to St. Louis youth hockey players now. All right, my final Kachuk thought, I can just hear Walter, hey, get me another Bud Select, huh? And then Chantel's like, that's enough, Keith, time for bed. Like, Chantel runs the show, correct? Like like a lot of us, our wives run the show, yes. She is, <laughs> she is the CEO of that household. Uh, what did it mean to you to retire as a Blue and to kind of not only have your last game with Anaheim, your last game was at Enterprise Center, then you had the ceremonial one-day contract. And what did it mean to kind of, especially that last game, that it was, in fact, in St. Louis? Yeah, pretty storybook. Uh, other than raising the cup above my head in my last game, uh, I don't know of a better way to finish it, but back in the place where it, it all started, um, both physically in my last game, with the Ducks in St. Louis and then, you know, ceremoniously with a one-day contract to be back with the team and back where it all started and where I, I really feel I played my best hockey was in St. Louis and, you know, a place from ages 22 to 32 I lived and feel like there's definite, definite fingerprints on my life and character and person I am and what, you know, we center our lives around now that was formed in those years in St. Louis. 
A lot of Blues alumni, Kelly Chase, Bernie Federko, even Brett Hull, guys who had been in St. Louis who always talked about, hey, if they ever win the Cup, it'll just be great for everyone, including the alumni. And I think for some of them, it was almost you know like they were there with the team and kind of felt it. But for you, you had just left, and then you're on the other side of it with Boston. There was no way for you to really enjoy that. Was that really hard because they were the ones who won it that year and you had been with them and been so close so many times? Um, in the moment, it was beyond excruciating. Um, I would say with time, there's been an appreciation of, I wish it wasn't at you know my expense or a team that I was on's expense, but you are happy for the city. You're, I mean, we were part of their the growth of the team and the time that was put in and to see the energy around the team, especially my last season there, we went to the conference finals and you start to see that to build and for them to get a parade, it's something, you know, we're happy for the city and the, the organization that they had that moment. Um, again, wish it would have been like the blues win it in 2018 and the Bruins win it in 2019 and everyone gets a ring and everyone, um, you know, has their story and, moment of success but uh yeah it's a silver lining to not winning it that year but still hurt like hell in the moment. when the matchup played out and boston wins the east and the blues win the west was that kind of fun though that idea that it was against them and your buddies like petro and everybody was, was at first when you're like wow this is going to be pretty cool i don't know if pretty cool ever crossed my mind to tell you the <laughs> truth i think it was more of a damn it's got to be them like i'm it was year, what was it, year 13 for me, first time to a Stanley Cup final. Some guys never get it, get there. But to say, and it has to be against them, like, out of all years, and, and the Blues hadn't been to a Stanley Cup final in longer than I hadn't. So uh, I think it was more of like a, you're going to get to the pinnacle or have that option or, a, you know, chance to, to reach your ultimate goal and win a Stanley Cup. And there's enough emotions that are around that and trying to stay present in each shift that you have. And then you're going to add the layers of not only your friends that are on the team and competing against those guys, but the city and to see the city, you know, they're going to certainly be cheering for the Blues and not for me. And I understand that, but there's there's weight around all of that. Um, and it was, it was just a heavy kind of moment that, that all – came together in a way that it was, I guess it was just meant to be. And, and like I said before, I'm happy the city and, and the team and the organization got their cup, uh, but it would have liked it under different circumstances. You know, in baseball, when, when one team loses, I, I just hate the shot. They always zoom into the dugout, and there'll be a couple of guys watching and watching the celebration on the field. Did you, in, in the building that night, did you stick around and watch them celebrate? Uh, I, I think it was after the second. I went into our locker room and I walked and sur- I probably wore out the carpet in that locker room with what I was uh, walking in circles. And I think it was the Petro goal at the end of, uh, maybe it was the end of the first. I might not have watched anything after the first period and I was in the locker room and um, because I wasn't playing. So I was, uh, I didn't play games five, six, or seven. And so it was kind of my little... I don't know, dealing with the anxiety and the just the stress of, like, you've got no bearing on this, but it impacts you and affects you in so many ways and just that hopeless feeling. And um, I did not watch him raise the cup. I didn't – I don't think I saw 
a picture of one of the blues with a cup over their head for maybe a month or two and then started to see it and it was I don't want to say triggering either it was it was just heavy and just say you know those that could have been us it was a one you know game seven could have been either team and um, you know there's some sadness around that but then after time again it came full circle and there's that that silver lining where you're, you're happy for the people that did get to experience that. And with you as the captain, Blues had some great runs, won the division in 2012, 2015. We know about the playoff struggles, but in 16, that run just sort of captivated the city. I remember Mike Matheny at Cardinal Games talking about the Blues, and he said, well, you know, Martin, with the Rams leaving, I really want hockey to stick it to him. I, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that, that run in a, a Game 7, to beat Chicago, a game seven to beat Dallas. And then we came up short, saying we, I wasn't on the ice, uh, against, San, <laughs> against San Jose. But tell me about that run and how special that was. Yeah, that was a, a time where, you know, Brian Elliott was, was phenomenal in those first two rounds. The guys came together, and it, it's almost like they looked at each other for the first time in my career and said, no matter what it takes, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. And you started to see some of that magic, um, you know, just proliferate the whole team and then the city. And um, it was it was a special moment. And it was a contract year for me. And we had talked with Doug Armstrong and and didn't get anything to done done the summer before. And it was getting close to Christmas. It was like let's not let this be a distraction. And the last thing he said was, "Hey, make a good run and." Um, get us to where we need to get to, and and this will all work out. And it was it was a little bit of pressure, but I knew that we could, you know, make it happen with the guys. And when it started to come to like conference finals, we're getting there. And so um, when we lose to San Jose, and you go through three rounds of Stanley Cup playoffs, I think we it was six games against San Jose. So we played 20 games that year, and all the battering and beating that guys take and playing through injuries it's it's special to grab arms with guys like that and so after we lost to them and to not get to a Stanley Cup final I you know I did a another teary-eyed uh, interview there not knowing if you know obviously disappointed that we didn't get to the Stanley Cup final but also if that was my last game as a blue yeah, and I remember that being in San Jose, you were emotional. I mean, not just that that season ends and that great run, and it was fun, captured the town's attention. I think you had an idea that it might have been in the end of the road. After that, and, and then it becomes about business, and Doug Armstrong is sort of famously, I won't say cold-hearted, but he's all business. How did that play out? How did you end up in Boston? Obviously a great offer. You can't turn that down. But was it ever close that you might be back? Well, if, if you remember, the sticking point was the fifth year, and my my mindset never changed that I wanted to play the rest of my career in St. Louis or my whole career in St. Louis. And so, during the negotiation, you know, it was like, okay, we were pretty close on a four-year deal, but a fifth year was something that wasn't going to be entertained at any number. And that, to me, was like, well, I want to play, you know, a thousand games in the league and. I feel like five years is something I could certainly play. Let's figure out, even if it drops off, it starts higher now and drops off later. And fifth year was a non-starter for the organization. And my agent said, we can get you five years in a multitude of places. You know, we think you can 
get that. And so you get to free agency, and all of a sudden Boston calls, and you get a number that's higher and another year, that fifth year you've been wanting. And we went back to St. Louis one more time, and they didn't uh, didn't want to entertain it, and so we were off to Boston. It's interesting. The guy who follows you is the captain, Alex Petrangelo, somewhat similar, like his deal's up, is he coming back, he's the captain, but yet it doesn't work out. I'm a, did he? Did you ever counsel him? Did he ever call you and say, man, this is a tough call, Vegas is throwing this at me, throwing that at me? Were the two similar, do you think? I do. Um, and, and listen, it, it, again, in time I was, I was spiteful and, and not happy. I wanted to be in St. Louis. Um, but you look back and you go, you know what? Army is a business guy that he takes a lot of the emotions out of it. I don't know who does the analytics or if he runs his own numbers or what, but he sticks to his guns and what he believes. And and then 2019 was the, the humble pie of, like, they won it, and I wasn't part of the team, and he got to where he wanted to go, so, so good on him. Um, with Petro, yeah, and a lot more was discussion around the lifestyle stuff and the stuff away from the ice because he's a he's an all-world player maybe i mean borderline hall of famer with what he's done already and if he can you know continue the success that he's had probably a shoe in for it um but it's more of like he's he married a girl that was from st louis what what's it like you know being in one city for 10 12 years and then all of a sudden switching to a different city um all of the changes that are made, the lifestyle, you got some young kids and pulling them along. And, um, yeah, I think it was more along those lines than the hockey side of things because he's going to be fine playing hockey wherever he's shooting up. 727 games with the Blues. That's seventh all-time. 206 goals. That's seventh all-time. These are names you start looking at Unger and Federko and Sutter in terms of Blues all-time. Um, but I think people also, when they remember your career, it's not the games and the goals only. It's about the way you wore the C and being the captain. Tell me about that, how you dealt with that responsibility. And you look at the history of the Blues and names like Pronger and others, and Hulley did it. Uh, what did that mean to you to be the Blues captain? Yeah, it was a great honor. And, and when you start saying some of those names, and there's a uh, – kind of a storyboard in the Blues locker room that's got all the captains and the time that they served and started back with uh, Barclay and Bobby Flager back in the day and goes through all the names and the the names you're all of a sudden in their company along with the, the blue note on the front where it starts when you, you get on the St. Louis Blues is you want to do those guys proud and, and show them that their work and their efforts and their culture that they've built around that blue note is not in vain, and you want to take it to the next level. And when I got called up uh, to St. Louis, we were terrible. I mean, we were the first overall draft pick and not even close to the playoffs. And then we snuck in, I think, in my fourth year, uh, got swept by Vancouver, but all of a sudden we got a taste. Fifth year, don't make it. And then for my sixth or tenth years, uh, was the captain. And so we had a young core group of guys that they were growing and building around. And for me to get the, the C, all of a sudden put me to the front of the pack saying, okay, you're the point man. you got to steer this ship and, and get us to where we want to be in the next level. And, um, you know, the first year is, hey, we got to get back into the playoffs. And then 
the second year is like, okay, we tasted the playoffs. Now the first round's not good enough. And if you remember, we we ran into some teams like the LA Kings or the Chicago Blackhawks that were winning cup after cup. And the fact that we met them in the first round time and time again was a not a you know insurmountable task, but it's that old saying that to be the best, you got to beat the best. And we were unfortunately seeing them in the first round, whether that was uh, LA, I think it's twice where we beat them in the first two games, maybe even Chicago, and then they came back and, and beat us four straight. But uh, that evolution of being the captain and, and kind of steering the ship and getting us to the next level and being very intentional, especially with Hitch as a coach, of how this whole you know hierarchy and who's talking to who and how are we going to make sure everyone's included and heard and knows what their role is so we can go out there and perform. Um, I just absolutely love the inner workings of that and being part of something you know, bigger than just having to be concerned about myself and my own performance. It definitely widened my uh, scope of what my responsibilities were and, and something I really loved. Does the coach say to you, hey, go over and talk to so-and-so, he's, he's not pulling his weight, and does a player say to you, Get Hitch off my ass. Will you go in there and tell him, knock this off? Or how much of that are you sort of a messenger from one side to the other? Uh, both those things happen, either as a mediator or, um, you know, I. the story I like to tell about Hitch is that he, he came to me early in my captaincy and says, listen, if I ever found find out there's somebody that's got a kid sick or a wife sick or things aren't going well at home and they're here at practice, he said, I'm going to kick your ass. And so what he was telling me is that you got to know the ins and outs of all the guys and what's going on in their personal lives so that they can come to the rink with a clear head and they can perform to the best of their ability. And that started the, you know, the mindset of like, okay, even if it's not me personally, like Alex Steen and Alex Petrangelo were with me and as our, our leadership core back then. And those guys did a lot of that work as well of, making sure, and there were times guys come up to us and say, hey, listen, my kid was sick, but I just, you know, I thought I needed to come to practice, and it was like, nope, get the heck out of here, and Hitch completely understood and had what was, what was, you know, really important at his forefront, and I think it bodes well when you've got that equity built up from knowing guys' personal lives and what what's going on that you can relate to them and they know you're going to stick up for them so that they can take care of those things as well. I've always compared Hitchcock to Tony LaRusso and they, in fact, they ended up becoming friends even though they didn't really overlap by much and it's Mark McGuire came to St. Louis and he said when LaRusso left Oakland, he said I was so excited. He said I was so sick of him and he said he was just wearing me out. He goes and about a year later, we're not very good and he's like, man, we're really missing Tony and that drive and that kind of intensity. We, he said at first I thought it was a great thing, and then I realized if I can get back to playing for him, it would be great. Was Hitch that way? Like he would drive you guys nuts sometimes, but it, that exacting style did pay dividends. Yeah, I, I would say I was, I'm a bigger Hitch fan than most guys that have ever played for Hitch. Uh, my biggest gripe is that he didn't have kids or, you know, a, a ton of responsibility outside the game. So I would get a phone call at whatever, 7.30, and he'd want to talk about 
strategizing for the next day, and I'd be like, come on, you couldn't have talked to me tomorrow morning or just sent me a text. <laughs> and um, But a lot of guys, you know, he was relentless only in that you needed to give him everything you had, and if he suspected or saw that you weren't, he would get – he would – be absolutely all over you and pointing out every deficiency that you ever had. And I think that wore on a ton of guys for sure. Um, and, and a lot of guys just couldn't take that from him because he was, he was demanding. And Tony LaRussa, I remember going in the Cardinals uh, locker room or whatever, the clubhouse, and his, his introduction was, we don't expect much from guys. All we want is perfection. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, but hey, He's got the accolades to back that up as well. That that sounds about right. Uh, you got? Did you live in Clayton? Your family when you were here? Yep. What? Where'd you hang My out? My house is up for sale right now. Not that I'm going to do do a, a PSA for it, but uh, we're in town for a Purina event with Athletes for Animals, and uh, we drove by the old place, and there's a for sale sign in the front yard. So somebody's going to get a a nice house with uh, with some. Bacchus uh, lineage to it. Wow, that that ought to be in the 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 offering. You know, real estate. They always say, <laughs> you know, f- walk in the foyer and it will spoil you with southern charm. And it's like <clears throat> also was once owned by David. Back. Did you hang out in Clayton? Yeah. Then or was it? Oh yeah, that we barely rarely left Clayton. Would always go walk to dinner downtown. And since we've been back, I mean, the explosion there and the high rises and all the business activity there. It's pretty phenomenal but uh more so on the house there's i mean there's probably a a bacchus dog poo or something like that still uh, <laughs> hanging around that backyard there's i can imagine probably all a, the, probably all a, the, a puck in a wall somewhere stuck to a wall yeah, all, all the animals and, and work we did there no it's uh an amazing place when and when did the animal thing i mean you and your wife kelly very involved in uh and still i think probably with some of these local dog shelters where did that come from um, we started in college where we couldn't have an animal of our own, so we'd just go to the local shelter and walk the dogs or play with the cats, clean the litter boxes. And then when we got to St. Louis, um, part of it was selfish. I said, how am I going to integrate myself into the community so that if they ever try to send me down or trade me, there'll be, there'll be an uproar. Um, I don't know if there's any credibility to that, but we said, well, let's get involved with the community and something we love to do, and that's the animal welfare world and that grew from originally St. Charles Humane Society to Five Acres Animal Shelter and then worked with Stray Rescue and ARL and so many amazing groups that are doing such great work in in St. Louis that we're still in contact with and still funding uh, some grants to those organizations through Athletes for Animals, which Kelly and I run. Very cool. And Cousin Nick, which is my Minneapolis connection here, I tell him back is going to be on. He said, ask him if he owns both of the stock and stable locations. There's one in Wayzata and one in Edina. That is that the is that the food deal you started? That's that's stock and spade, which is uh, a plant based uh, American grill. Some of the best plant based food you can ever have, and and they've just done such an amazing job of you know chef crafted uh, incredible plant based food, and uh, yeah, those are in Edina and North Loop in Minneapolis, and there's one in Wyzetta as well. And then Cousin Nick says he will tell you that in hockey in Minnesota, 
The Metro hockey and out-of-state hockey is a huge rivalry, especially private schools versus public schools. And keep in mind, everyone hates Edina. Is this all accurate Minnesota knowledge? <laughs> well, Edina is hated because they're seen as the cake eaters that keep winning. So uh, there is kind of a, I don't know if everyone hates them or there's a mentality of like everyone against Edina because they um, seem to be winning all the time. But yes, the private school and public school rivalries are real and out there and uh as a public school kid we had our uh we had our plates full trying to battle those private schools all right we're going to end it with this who's most likely to next win a championship the twins the timberwolves the wild or the vikings it's it's been a long time for any of them so i will i'll say the wild will win the next that's probably a safe bet. I don't. I don't mind that pick at all. The Vikings are always good. They just never get over the hump. That's a, and then they're huge up there. Are they? They're probably the biggest, right? In terms of other than Gopher hockey, I think Vikings might be the biggest. Yeah, and you know what? The Timberwolves are just never good. And since the Twins got their new stadium, they got to figure out some. They they need like a, a Cardinal assistant GM to go up there and, and start implementing some of the Cardinal way up there in order to have any success. Get them over the hump. This is why we like having the retired. This is why we want the retired guys on the show. They got a little more time back to your family, back to enjoying Southern California. Uh, once the captain, always the captain. And uh, great to hear your voice, David. Thanks for hopping on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you and uh, have a great rest of your day as well. Always fun to catch up with David Backus. I could see him doing some TV work at some point if he wanted to. Maybe re-engaging with the Blues at some level. Uh, it's got too much to offer to the game to just sit back and watch the Timberwolves lose in the playoffs or the Vikings lose in the playoffs. <laughs> it is unbelievable how many Minnesota teams, and I know Cousin Nick is a loyal listener to Killcoin shows, and he always will say, well, they're going to lose. Well, how do you know? Well, they're going to lose. How do you know? They're going to if you've been in Minneapolis, I guess, long enough, enough of your teams have let you down. So I guess it's a thing. David Back is on the show, and you can listen nightly to the Kilcoin Conversation. That's on KTRS Radio, the Big 550. Download the app, the KTRS app. There's two of them. The newest one is the blue logo. So check out the KTRS app blue logo. Download it and listen to the entire station all day long. Coming to you from the Pasta House Studios, get the food to go. Kids have practices, you've got work, you're on the run. PastaHouse.com, get a meal for four, everything the family needs, and it will feed an army. I've done this a couple of times. There's so much food in those to-go orders. PastaHouse.com is where you can order online. Marie DeVilla Senior Living, great spot for your retirement years. Really is a festive, fun atmosphere. I was there for the tree lighting, largest Christmas tree in West County. Beautiful spot. Check them out at mariedevilla.com. Appliance discounters, great service team. In addition to the low prices on appliances, my guy Sean has been out, fixed the dishwasher, the refrigerator. I'm trying to think what he hasn't fixed at our house. He can do it all. So call them for your next service repair and also all your appliance needs. One spot, theappliancediscounters.com. And Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of all the Killcoin podcasts, going back to talk with Tony LaRusso. That was about four years ago we started doing those. Pucks with Bernie and Panger, they've been through us, been with us through it all from day one. 
Triad Bank, great neighborhood-friendly bank business owners. If you're frustrated with your bank, talk to the lenders at Triad Bank. Find them on Clayton Road in Frontenac or on Olive Road just west of 270. Thanks for tuning in to the Kill Coin Conversation.